Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, brought to you by ZipRecruiter, our 2018 presenting sponsor. Talent matters, whether you're on the court, in the courtroom, or even in a podcast studio. Nobody knows that better than ZipRecruiter. They develop powerful matching technology for hiring. You no longer have to wait for the right candidate to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. It's the smartest way to hire. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Meanwhile, Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. How about them? Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Get a real mortgage approval in minutes. Adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to get started. Go to rocketmortgage.com slash Bill Simmons, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Don't forget to check out theringer.com. That's where you can find my column every Friday. It's at least for the next couple of weeks. You can read more magical predictions from me, like the own four I put up last week. And don't forget to check out the Ringer Podcast Network for all of our great podcasts. We have a bunch of good ones this week including a new episode of The Rewatchables that I am not on, including One Shining Podcast as college basketball heats up, including Larry Wilmore, including Cousin Sal, the list, Joe House's House of Carbs, the list goes on and on and on. Check that out on the Ringer Podcast Network. Right now, this is a, this is a conversation I had with Sean Fennessy and Chris Ryan today about my top 10 favorite movies, as well as uh, some thoughts in this little weird, cool period between the Golden Globes and the Oscars. But first, Pearl Jam. Here with uh, Sean Fantasy and Chris Ryan from The Ringer. Hi, Bill. Not going to give you titles. Um, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, you're the editor in chief. What are you, executive editor? Yeah. Why do you always act like you don't know who I, what I do? I I don't care about titles. I'm not okay. a title guy. I'm a people guy. Easy for you to say, CEO. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. I have the best title. Audio yeah. Officer. Um, so you guys did a big picture podcast for Channel 33, where you did your best of 2017. That um, you got cut out of that one. I got cut out of it. It was marred by Amanda Dobbins naming Wonder Woman the third best movie of the year. Chris wow. had a Dunkirk take that I just was horrified by. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, I had not seen enough movies yet to really have an opinion, and now I have. And I wanted to give out my list because nothing's important than my list of the best of 2017. <laughs> so this podcast is you just emergency summon me and Sean here to listen to your I list. I was ready to give you my list. <laughs> Great. But then I want to talk about the Oscars because um, you wrote about it this week, Sean. We're waiting now. We're just anxiously awaiting the Lady Bird backlash. It could go in a variety of ways. I think we all have our guesses. I definitely mind some of your takes for that column. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that first, actually, because I thought Lady Bird was the best movie I saw all year. It was my number one. I think Chris had it at number one. Where did you, would you have number one, Sean? It's been flipping two and three between Get Out and Lady Bird. Yeah. So I think people feel that way. Then it won the Golden Globe Best Movie, which means now it's going to be under attack. Like it's 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 like the computer virus of pre-Oscars hype is going to come at it. And I think the most logical way to come at it that I worry about is that she's been with Noah Baumbach now for a few years. This is her first movie. Somebody is going to leak 
the really shitty, unproven, unnamed sources maybe that she didn't do this movie on her own. And then they're going to have to battle that. And then the stink of that will hang over it. And I could just feel it coming and it bums me out. What I do you guys think? A couple of responses to that. Okay. Number one, I think that Lady Bird has more heart than anything Bombax done since maybe kicking and screaming. So I'm not worried about that okay. first one. Second of all, I think that three billboards and Shape of Water are going to take a lot of the fire that could have been reserved for Lady Bird over the next couple of weeks. Because we were, if Lady Bird was just an out and like out and out front runner, I would agree with you. But people are going to spend so much time and energy shitting on three billboards over the next couple of weeks that they're going to forget all about Lady Bird. And then Lady Bird is going to be the consensus. Actually, we all love that movie. Movie. So I actually, I think that so it's comes really, around. Interesting. I think it's in really good shape. I think it's in really good so shape. So a little reminiscent of Moonlight last year. Maybe. Which never really felt the backlash at all because everybody was too busy having their knives out for La La Land, right, Sean? They were. I have a theory about why all of this happened though about why the moonlight thing happened and why part of what chris is saying is true but there's now a difference between campaigns and takes there are going to be a lot of takes about three billboards and a lot of takes about the shape of water but the campaign the smear campaign that we saw for so many years largely thought to be under harvey weinstein i don't think that's gonna be as much the order of the day there's still gonna be politics and grandstanding inside of trying to get awards but i don't think that you're gonna see the kind of swift boating stuff that you saw in years past. You know, the things that got Shakespeare in Love a Best Picture win over Saving Private Ryan, even though conventionally most people thought Saving Private Ryan was 10 times the movie. Yeah. I, we, it, I, don't, I haven't gotten the sense that that's something that is really happening with any of these movies now. It's a, it's a little bit more of a plain nice atmosphere. What was the best smear campaign of this decade? The best ever was, in my opinion, was that... Uh, Affleck and Damon didn't write their movie. Oh, that's that was one. like one of the first ones I really remember that I knew nothing and I wasn't in the industry in any way and knew that story. It's t- it's hard to I mean it wasn't necessarily a smear campaign per se, but D- Zero Dark Thirty got dismantled from coming out, and I think it was Mark Harris wrote the first big Zero Dark Thirty piece when it as for New York before it opened, and he was like it was a really glowing feature, and I still. I still think of that movie very highly on a technical level, if not on a moral level. But right. that movie got dismantled down the stretch run. And it was her coming off of her, Catherine Bigelow coming off of her locker. This huge story. Jessica Chastain giving this powerhouse performance. It was Everything was lined up for that movie. And it just got picked apart. And not even, I don't, I don't know whether or not that was a studio-backed whisper campaign. But that was one of the ones I remember being like, how did this like just... Did he get nominated for stuff? It was, she um, got nominated. It was Big nominated, nominated for Best Picture. Um, what a shame that didn't happen to the artist. <laughs> well, well. The, it, often what happens is, is that movies like The Artist are the beneficiaries of campaigns like that. You know? yeah. One that I can remember recently was um, Selma, which I touched on a little bit in what I wrote. That one was very strange because it felt very coordinated. It felt like someone who worked for a consulting agency yeah, right. reached out to a series of LBJ historians and sought to write a series of editorials undermining the factual premise of the movie Selma, which in which LBJ doesn't look very good. Yeah. And there were a lot there were in the Washington Post, in the Wall Street Journal, and in a series of other places, people wrote about how this isn't what LBJ was like, this isn't what he did, this movie is unfair to LBJ. And then that casts a little bit of doubt on the movie. And then suddenly Selma, which was one of the most critically acclaimed movies of the year, is not nominated for Best Picture. And 
obviously ever since then Ava DuVernay has gone on to be a huge figure in Hollywood but at the time that was kind of strange I mean that movie kind of got shanked can I ask you a question though about campaigning in general from what you understand about it so let's say for instance something like Dunkirk which traditionally I think in years past would be something especially if it had been released a little later in the year would be sort of more in the forefront of the awards conversation it's a solid B minus yeah I agree I'm with Bill I'm fine with you guys having that opinion it's a B minus keep going though would promoting Dunkirk necessitate a a sort of oppo research campaign on the part of Dunkirk, either explicitly or implicitly, on movies like Get Out, Lady Bird, Three Billboards, Shape of Water? Like if I'm gonna, if I let's say I was running the Dunkirk Best Picture campaign, if you're running that, is it better just to be like, you know what? Like if you like it, if you want to vote for this movie, vote for this movie. But I don't want to have my fingerprints on the, being the person who is like, don't vote for Lady Bird. I think it depends. It, well, especially this year. Yeah, it really just depends on what kind of movie you're talking about and what it's going up against. If it's two very serious movies, then often it gets a little bit more intense. I remember the campaign around um, the imitation game was honor the man was the phrase that they used because it was telling the story yeah. of a you know a, a gay man who had done something very historic and it was, it was meant like if you give this movie nomination somehow you're doing something dutiful to society which is ultimately it seemed like kind of bullshit and was a Weinstein company operation yeah. um I think it depends though on what kind of movie you're talking about like what did Dunkirk and Lady Bird have to do with each other like really nothing like you couldn't even create opposition research you could you but you could you could create a narrative about these these fussy fusty old movies that are celebrating the greatest generation versus something fresh and new and original that's celebrating like more of a contemporary feminine point of view i think maybe maybe with the weinsteins out of the picture this stuff might not happen anyway the really only old school producer we have in the mix for this stuff is scott rudin there was stuff on twitter the other day though about about there possibly being some stuff, like not anything negative about Peel and Get Out, but a whisper campaign about Get Out, about that being not a serious film, about that not really being up to snuff for, and in terms of it being, you know, what happens is when we watch these movies and the way we think people are talking about them, there is still a divide despite the voting body getting mixed up a little bit more these, these last two years, I guess, or last year. There's still a divide between like what these voters, the demographically who these voters are, and what we think the popular conversation about a movie is. Well, and then to pick a pile on that one, what's that movie about? It's about old white people and if I'm an old white person watching that who feels a certain way, and I see Get Out, I'm like, fuck that movie. I'm not voting for that. And one of the most thought to be one of the most political moments of that this season so far is when there was some controversy when Get Out was nominated for Best Musical Comedy at the Golden Globes and people were like this is incredible horseshit this movie is neither a musical nor a comedy and Jordan Peele tweeted about it and said it's a documentary and it's thought that the Hollywood Foreign Press at the time was offended by him saying that and so the fact that he wasn't nominated for Best Director and Get Out walked away with nothing on Sunday led a lot of people to believe that they were kind of like the hell with this guy. Is there anything to how, even if it's just complete, you know, reading between the lines that they did not spend a lot of time on the get out table during the Globes yeah, broadcast? We saw Jordan Peele once at a distance. Yeah. And that was it. I mean, we just he, he's responsible for one of the biggest movie success stories of the year. The third most critically acclaimed movie of the year, uh, a genuinely transgressive, popular movie. And he was barely there. I was stunned by that. I thought Get Out was going to be like a legit contender. Oh, I thought it might still be. It might still be at the Oscars. Well, it's, you you give your take on that. How meaningless the Golden Globes are? 
they're meaningless. <laughs> I yeah. mean, they're, they're voted on by like a shadowy body of foreign journalists who don't really determine nor represent the voting larger voting body of the Oscars or the BAFTAs or the SAG Awards or the PGAs or the WGAs or any of these other Guild Awards, which is which are comprised of people who make movies. And the yeah. people who make movies are the people who vote on those awards. And you vote. You're, you're in the PGA. You know that you're the screener king now. Um, I am. I get all of them. Th- you, and you've made movies. And those are the people that are largely thought to that, that represent these votes, especially the Oscars, which pulls together everything. Yeah. And the Golden Globes is just a, is a secret society of people that are meeting famous people and talking to them and making connections with them and hoping to be flattered by them in hopes that the HFPA will then give them an award. There's also a really popular style of uh, confessional first person blog post that happens this time of year where the Hollywood Reporter or Variety finds some like crypto racist guy who's anonymously (laughs) (laughs) writes about like how Get Out wasn't his kind of movie. And it's sort of like when you get anonymous NBA scouts being like, I heard Nerlens has some uh, problems. (laughs) (laughs) We all all like this movie though. It's been we were terrified that movies were going to hell and that. And I know you think like five years ago, when it was like the artists versus the descendants and they, we just couldn't even find five movies. And you were just bemoaning being able to get out of the blocks with a TV show recently, like where you were just like, I just feel like I used to have just such a wealth of options. I mean, you have so many Sean choices. Said, you're old. But what's that? Sean said, you're old. That's why you, the, none of the shows resonate with you. You're well, what I said is like you were aging out of the de- the demographic, it's which almost is not your old. I don't, I, I don't think that's untrue, <laughs> but I also think that TV is asking us over and over again more and more TV, I feel like, is asking us to start from the beginning and that there's so many new shows. There are so many shows that are doing limited runs. So you get six, eight, maybe 10 episodes. You're not really like, hey, this season, I'm just like watching 22 Losts and that's great. So yeah. you basically are constantly in the state of starting over, but the way they tell television stories are the same. So the pilots, the first few episodes, slowly setting up the story, that's all happening over and over again. And it's a little bit exhausting whereas in movies you still have that compressed hey when i walk in when i walk out that's it it's over it's not a little bit exhausting it's it's like a chore and once they pile up on your dvr three episodes in a row and it's like oh shit now i got it three hours that's why i love movies more than i ever have movies i'm in and out and i like all kinds of movies and i don't judge well what are you so what are your other favorites what else is on your all right i'll go through my list and then we can go back to the Oscars discussion. It's going to be there. It's going to interweave, I think. And then so we- my number two is Phantom Thread, which I saw twice. What's your number one is L- number one's L- Lady, Lady Bird. Bird. Number two I, is Phantom Thread. Look, Lady Bird was so cool and original. And the actress, the lead actress, Saoirse? whose name yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to attempt to butcher. Saoirse. Saoirse. I'm so afraid to butcher her name. Chris, fellow Irishman. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> right. I did. We talked about this a little with PTA, but I knew nothing going in. I, I thought Greta Gerwig was in it. And uh, and I was really sad when it was over. I was really invested in the characters. And that was another one of the things I loved about it was it just ended. It's a yeah. cool 97 minutes. Yeah, I was like, yeah. whoa, are we done? I, I was ready to be here for it's two hours like and nine minutes. for you because you can watch it as a parent or you can watch it my as daughter. remembering as yourself yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just really kind of a memorable movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's going to... 10 years from now, when we look back at some of these movies, I think Get Out and Lady Bird will do really well. I will never think about Dunkirk again. I can promise you that. Sorry, Chris. Sorry, Chris. Um, 
So I had Ladybird one, Phantom Thread two. I was confused why it didn't do better at the Golden Globes because it seemed like it was in the Golden Globes wheelhouse. This is a good thing to talk about. So, so the, yeah, the rap is that nobody's seeing it. Yeah, the, it, people think that it was released too late that they didn't message. And it he didn't soon do screeners or. Well, they started screening the movie November twenty fifth or something like that. So it had no didn't have the momentum. I time. mean, it's significantly later than Lady Bird, than Get Out, than Dunkirk, than Three Billboards, than The Shape of Water, than the movies that have really emerged over the last few months. So there's that. There is some history that says in the last five to ten years that the later you release your movie, the less likely you are to get awarded. Mm. And I think that and something else that is experiencing that same problem is the, the post, which has not been the juggernaut that a lot of people thought it was going to be. And it's, you know, the post is going wide January 12th and Phantom Thread's going wide January 19th. So That's let's late. Can I ask you this? Because we've talked about this in the office a lot. We I, I am probably the most vocal person about being vexed by. So this movie is open in 200 theaters or maybe even less than that. You know, it's only in New York and L.A. and maybe Chicago or something like that. It's not going to be most of America is not going to be able to see this movie for six more weeks or another month. Yet we have fired off every single piece of content we could possibly think of about this movie already. Which one are we talking about? The Post? post. But you could say this for Phantom Thread as well or any movie that has this staggered, slow release where... As far as we're concerned, it's come and gone, and it hasn't even reached other places yet. Yeah, and you're just kind of like, well, are we? Are we, we're not really working in concert with each other anymore? There's not a the conversation is only happening among a select few cities, a select few amount of people who can go see this movie. Is it possible that we've always overrated our impact on that conversation anyway? I don't think for awards that's not the case, though. I don't. I think for awards, I think Get I think, Out became a phenomenon, and and once you get into that zone of Hey, have you seen Get Out yet? Oh, you got to see Get Out. Mm-hmm. And people are at cocktail parties and dinner and whatever. I don't think Phantom Thread's ever going to be that movie. I don't know. I think it would have been easier if everybody could have seen Phantom Thread the day it came well, out. Well, that's though. that's true. I say I agree this with, with that. all the love and respect in the world of Phantom Thread, which is my favorite movie of the year. It's a really weird movie. And it, it's going to be difficult for some people to get through, and it's going to be difficult for them to understand certain parts of it. And Paul Thomas Anderson's films are eccentric by nature. And so it's not a slam dunk, even though Daniel it's Day-Lewis is incredible. It's more accessible than The Master, though. I agree. I agree. But people will also bring a lot of expectation to that, too. And people in the industry, you know, like Paul Thomas Anderson is not one of Best Picture, even though he is yeah. widely considered by many people to be the best in his field. He's just he's in a very similar spot to someone like Scorsese in the early 80s, where you're like, this guy knocks it out of the park every time, but his movies are very specifically him. They're a little weird, and it's not a guaranteed box office success, and he's way overdue for an Oscar, but he hasn't gotten it yet. The, this one's a lot weird. It's funny because Phoenix and the master and then Dana Day-Lewis in this movie, they inhabited the character, not to sound too film school nerdy, but like Daniel Day-Lewis's body in this movie and just the physicality of it and the little subtle stuff he did, I was mesmerized. I watched it a second time because I was like, I think this might be the best movie he's made, Daniel Day-Lewis, for a performance, which is probably not true. Mm-hmm. But um, I was just, I, I, I left that movie thinking like, nobody else could have played that. He is the one person on the earth who would have made that movie work to a way that I would have wanted to watch it twice. And when we talked to PTA, he talked about how they basically wrote the movie together. Yeah. I and mean, they came up with the idea together. He would show him the script and then he would send him notes. I mean, it, that's really unusual. Like movie stars have a lot of power in what they get to say and not say in movies a lot of the time. But when you have somebody like PTA who's so thought to be such a serious artist, you very rarely hear about like that crazy collaboration. And I think one of the reasons it feels like only he could do it is because 
he kind of well, invented it. it. He's so reclusive and he makes he works so sparingly, you know, at least in terms of his how how many movies he makes. But in some ways he is the quintessential movie star because he, he makes movies where I'm like I wouldn't see this if it was anybody. I wouldn't go see I definitely would have gone blood. to see that. Yeah, either you know what I mean. I guess I would have been curious about it if it was yeah. Russell Crowe. But if Russell Crowe and Ridley, Ridley Scott made There Will Be Blood, yeah, I, you know exactly what it would be. You know, it would be sort of like a weird western that had a lot more betrayal and violence in, in it. In a way, that's what the movie A Good Year is about, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but when when he's in Lincoln, you're like, this isn't going to be like J. Edgar. This isn't going to be like any other historical biography film. This is going to be an incredible representation of this guy and and, and it, it, that's what it is what mm. else is on your list so fan thread two i had the defiant ones at three my list i include documentaries some people get snobby and they don't i just feel like it's as hard to make the defiant ones as it is to make the phantom thread if you do it correctly why is that though just explain that because i think people will look at that and be like oh it's bill simmons it's an hbo doc it's four yeah, hours but, long uh, you know, it's part of it is a commercial but like what did you think was masterful about it so the amount of time and money they spent on that thing is so unconventional for a documentary he probably spent five years i can't even imagine how many million dollars they spent he had an unlimited music library of some of the best songs that say that that can never happen unless you either are doing a documentary about jimmy Iovine or you're doing a documentary with a massive uh, publishing company. It was a great story. I learned stuff from it. I learned things I didn't know. And I, I thought the third episode was probably the best 50 minutes of a documentary I've seen in a while. That's the East um, versus West. Yeah, just yeah. the whole, the way it was laid out. Some of the filmmaking choices he made, I thought were really, for a documentary, just like a whole other level of how people are doing them. And like when you first see Tupac for the first time and he's coming around the corner and it's in slow motion and he's taking footage that he had. And uh, I just thought the touches of it were, were awesome. And I've watched it multiple times and it comes on and I get sucked in and I, that doesn't happen with documentaries really. That's really cool. Um, I thought it was 40 minutes too long. I probably, if, if I probably would have gone three parts instead of four mm-hmm. and the infomercial stuff was, you know, the, the one big deterrent on it. There's it's, a lot of beats. Lot, yeah, it of... probably could have ended a half hour before it did. But for the most part, I just thought it was spectacular. My number four was Get Out. Um, a couple things that have been lost now that it's been a few months. How many months? Like six, eight, eight, nine months. Yeah, it's been a what a great theater experience it was. Yeah. Phenomenal. And how rare that is to just be in a theater that's really into it. And especially in L.A. when people... Sometimes we'll get into it, but for the most part, are too cool for school. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it was like the theater's into it, and he's getting out, and people are cheering, and it was like being at Rocky. You know what was a big factor in that? Chris always talks about being maddened by the amount of information he gets about movies before they come out. I remember him saying in like April that we felt like we already knew everything we were going to know about Call Me By Your Name, even though it wasn't coming yeah. out until November. Get Out caught a lot of people by surprise. Yeah. It came out at the beginning of the year. It was a serious movie directed by the guy from Key and Peele. It had a strange trailer, which was like, is this... Yeah. Should I trailer? make fun of this trailer, or is this trailer making fun of itself? What is this? And yeah. what I'm seeing is almost... An an, lead too. And it's almost an indictment. I don't mean... To, it's not an indictment of Call Me By Your Name or anything like that, but when you think about 
and you wrote about the 50 great movie moments of the year. Yeah, and there were a lot. You could have had 10 Get Out moments in there. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was one of the things that I, the reason why I think Get Out sustained over the course of the year beyond its resonance was the fact that you could be at any bar, you could be at dinner, you could be at dinner six months after you'd seen it, and you could be talking about moments from that movie. Like you could be talking about the gardener running at him, you could be talking about her with the keys you could mm-hmm. be talking about any number of things from that movie her in crying. a way that you really couldn't from most movies this year you know you you there and i thought that was what was coolest about your piece is because you really start to atomize it and i think that those kinds of things have gotten cheap because we meme them and become they become twitter things but those are the things that you remember about jaws and those are the things that you remember about jurassic park is like someone looking up or like the guys throwing chum in the water and it's like those are the things that last for decades I, th- I talked to Jordan in March, and I it was right when the sunken place started to become a meme on Twitter, yeah. and I would just ask him about it casually, and he was like, this is the best thing that could have ever happened to the movie. This is awesome, because now it's in the culture, really. Like, people really know what the sunken place means. That matters. I would say it was the most pop culture accessible movie, not just of this year, but in a couple years. Like, even... I've made sunken place jokes. You look at gifts. You have the no, no, no lady. Uh, yep. Betty Gabriel, who's amazing yeah. in it. The gardener running. There are all these little moments. Yeah. The, the tea. And let's not underrate yes. the it's fact so that it's so rewatchable. It's 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 actually is a good horror movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Aside, we talk about the what genre it is. I it came from Blumhouse. Like I kind of expected it to be even more horrifying. Like I, I was kind of ready for it to be more slashery in places, but it had elements of it that were. It's you know, that, it wasn't quite a thriller. It wasn't quite a horror movie. It's like whatever in the yeah, middle of that you, is. And it took, mm-hmm. takes like you back to that lamps. 80s vibe of... It had, without being explicitly 80s, it had certain, like, a feel like Poltergeist, like those movies that you kind of grew up watching where you're like, oh, yeah, this is, like, terrifying but real, and I feel grounded, and I believe everything that's happening. And also had really legitimately funny moments. And... uh and had a social kind of underbelly meaning thing that um, I don't know I, if that movie won be- the best picture, I wouldn't be shocked and I wouldn't be bummed out either. I, I I don't know if that wasn't the best picture. It would be worthy. There is really no precedent for a movie like that winning best picture. I mean, you're I'd, basically, I'd be shocked. It's a guy with a comedy background and a horror movie, which are the two categories that the Academy respects the least. Now it's possible that everything that's happened with the way that they, the fact that they've added hundreds of new members over the course of the last couple of years means that it could tip the scales a little bit towards something that's, you know, a little bit different and a little bit more progressive. But man, I think it's going to have Would a Would that movie slide. have had a better shot if it had come out on Halloween? I don't think so. I just don't, I, just because of what it is. It's just not, I think in many ways it's been helped by having a year yeah. of yeah. box office I gotta success. say, I think it's been helped from the HBO run. Yeah. You and stuff like it. that. It's, it's exceedingly rewatchable. My fifth one. So when I do these lists... I most people do the list and it's always certain types of movies. I always feel like did the movie accomplish whatever the goal of whatever that genre is, whatever. I love John Wick too. I love that they um took a movie that worked that was kind of a lower budget action movie that probably I'm sure they didn't have giant hopes for. And then they were basically like, All right, let's spend real money on this and blow it out and make it awesome. I thought the uh, the middle like thirty minutes of it, from when he goes to kill her and she commits suicide in the bathtub, all the way through when they end up at the Continental, him mm-hmm. in common, is one of the best like twenty five minute stretches I've ever seen in an action movie. Yeah, uh, and there's so many little twists and turns, and everybody turning into 
uh, a spy and then the way it ends and then him being on his own setting up the third movie all that's so hard to do well and he did it just was great i just loved it i had such a good time at that movie it's a really good action movie it's n- it's not as good as the first one because the first one I feel like had the harder job of being like we're going to yeah, create it's establishing a world. everything. Yeah, yeah I like agree. It, it cre- and, and that movie weirdly completely under everyone's nose created a whole world where you walked out of John Wick and you were like holy shit when are they going to make John Wick 2? Yeah. Which is Taken great. was like I got to be honest Taken was like that for <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, but the 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 immediacy with which went all John Wick on that guy like yeah, yeah. became part of like the yeah. vernacular became is, another pop culture yeah, movie. Yeah. So I I just I thought it accomplished what it wanted to accomplish. And the same thing I feel about it, which I had at six. I thought it was incredible for what it was trying to do. I, and I for similarly. how many Stephen King films failed, my kids love it. Maybe my son shouldn't be watching yet, but he's seen it 12 <laughs> times. And uh, and it's just like they identify with the kids. It was little, It was nostalgic in all the right ways. It was legit scary. The opening scene, I think, is one of the better opening scenes we've had, as you pointed out in your piece. And uh, suggested by Chris Ryan, the child actors all stood out in some way. Like my my son was talking about potentially for Halloween, they would all go as different kids from it. And he wanted to be the stuttering kid. And yeah, Finn um, Wolfhard's on a real like Sean Astin 1986 run. Right. Yeah, now. it's <laughs> between this and Stranger Things. And I think it's really hard to do to to be the relevant, nostalgic, awesome Whatever movie, I, I was just really surprised it was that good. I knew my son liked it. I'm like, oh, whatever. And then you had told me you liked it. But I other than out, that, I didn't know that much. I walked out of a screening and I was pretty shocked. I was like, wow, that was really well made. Yeah. yeah. Like movies like that just usually, even though I love horror movies and see every horror movie, I think all three of us really love horror movies and see every horror movie, they're, you're usually willing to accept a level of mediocrity in certain parts of those movies. Oh, yeah. And I think specifically finding good young actors is hard it's hard to get all those parts right and it especially is like really burned into the brains of people from either they've read the book or they saw the tim curry miniseries in the 80s and they were like so they have a lot of preconceived notions of what would make it good and i just i thought that they did a great job and it also it should have been it should have been a disaster because it was a movie that was going to be directed by uh Dr. Fukunaga. Dr. Uh, True Detective, Karen yeah. Fukunaga. And it's been, been in purgatory it. for so long, and you see something like Dark Tower come out. Dark Tower could have been, I mean, it, it's its ceiling was Game of Thrones. I mean, yes. Dark Tower, yeah. you could have made 10 of those. They screwed it up, and now, like, that whole thing needs to go away for 10 years. It They could make a sequel to it. They've not, they're making a, that Castle Rock show on Hulu. Like, you can feel that everybody kind of wants to be a part of the Stephen King monster. universe. And thing. the guy who overseas horror movies at Warner Brothers who oversaw all of this it stuff and probably would have been the villain if the movie was bad and Carrie Fukunaga could have said my creative decisions were the way to go just got elevated to run all the DC movies now at Warner Brothers so yeah. now they, that needs to be fixed and they need somebody who can, who's a hit maker I thought it's either one of the best 10 horror movies of all time or one of the best 12 I'd, I'd have to really make That's pretty the strong. list and go through but for me like just thought it was the best in a couple years i have a hard time getting it that high as a horror movie but i really enjoyed it i think it's hard to scare people these days that's true you look at the stuff that's working now everyone we've already done all the derivatives of all the different types of and now now it's just like haunted house movies home invasion uh the the serial killer movie is basically gone the i'm gonna kill as many people as i can in in, that's more on TV now. Yeah. That's that's just gone, and it's really. I think the genre needed something that was a little different, and I thought this was it. 
Let's take a quick break to talk about our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage, which gives you the confidence you need when it comes to having, buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Simple allows you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you, whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th. With Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Their trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button, get a real mortgage approval in minutes, and adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time. That's Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Bill Simmons, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Uh, number seven, I love Jim and Andy. Yeah, me too. Documentary. Uh, it's I don't know if it's on Netflix anymore. It is, yeah. is it? About Jim Carrey just losing his mind. I've always been fascinated by the subject of fame and what it does to people. And uh, this was really good. And he's fucking batshit crazy in this. He's just crazy. I had no idea he was this crazy. And I was riveted and affected by it. It's a little bit of the opposite of the Defiant Ones, where it really hinges on one long conversation with Jim Carrey. They have all this great footage. There's nobody else's interview. But he's the only person who's interviewed in present day, and uh, he is revealing. I wrote about that movie in this piece that we're talking about, and I also wrote about Jim Carrey after I saw him on Kimmel over the summer. And I was like, oh boy, something's going on with Jim Carrey that doesn't seem right. I think it was going on after, it's from the moment he did Man on the Moon, he was never the same. You look at his IMDb. And the next five years, it's basically weird movies. And then he made one. It wasn't Liar Liar. It was like one of those. He made Bruce Almighty and Bruce Almighty like that. Yeah. yeah. But he never really got it back. And that was it. He was this comet for six years. And he's, he's a fascinating person. He's a person who would just be impossible now. Like movies don't work that way where a guy can just kind of take over for four years at a time. Especially in comedy. I think that people's tastes just are too short lived for that. When you think back, it's like. Um, somebody like Tom Hanks who started in largely comic films, you know what yeah. I mean? And was in bachelor party and, and uh, very consciously made a dis- move towards increasingly dramatic movies over the course of his career to Don't get sleep out on from the money money. pit. Yeah. Money. He pit. made a lot of those. Yeah. He made like nine of those. Turner yeah. and Hooch. Yeah. But a lot of those guys are like that. Even Michael Keaton was in a bunch of comedies when he was first oh, yeah. coming up. It was Hanks versus Keaton for 10 years. Yeah. My eighth one was a uh, girl's trip because for a few reasons, one, it's, hilarious uh two tiffany haddish is like becomes a legit star in it which i just don't think happens very often anymore where when's the last time you've seen somebody you're just watching you're like wow you're gonna be watching a comedy you're just like oh yeah you just like i i was trying to think if it was like was will ferrell was old school before anchor no it couldn't because he that happened to him on snl yeah doesn't happen with somebody in a movie Ace Ventura, Jim Carrey is like, I mean, there are examples, but just. Even then, he was on In Living Color. Yeah, and he had people in history with him. She really came out of nowhere for a lot of people. I mean, obviously, she's been a stand up for a long time. And she was really good in Keanu. Yeah, she's in Keanu. She she, had had some looks. Yeah. I had a really good experience with that movie where I saw it. I saw it once by myself at my house, which was a mistake. That's (laughs) that's not how you're supposed to watch that movie. Definitely not. And I watched it on Christmas morning with my whole family, my siblings. Their, their partners, my mom, we're all watching it together. And, you know, my, my mom and my sister are very Queens, New York, and they're very, yeah. like, they laugh loud. 
and yeah. they were rolling during the movie and that that's the way to experience it you know it's it's a movie for theaters or a movie for groups and you really like sense her power when you see it in that setting i don't probably shouldn't have shown it to my daughter Jesus. um that's, uh, from, she laughed from easily the hardest i've ever heard her laugh during a movie and it's i'm glad she saw it was like what dobbin said it's it's a female bonding movie yeah like it's ultimately what it is and it's really well done and it's a movie that's been made poorly a, a shitload of times yep. and nobody has ever yeah. done that movie correctly and uh i just i thought it was awesome my last two are tied for nine shot collar and good time i can't wait to talk to you about shot collar you know i love prison movies uh you know i've always loved jamie lannister <laughs> uh i i thought it Burns was falls in that too yeah it's that the actors are good it's just a good in the grain prison movie. It's a great B movie. It's the story is Jamie Lannister, Nikolai Coster Waldo. DUI name. DUI has murder. A, has a DUI murder. He's a businessman. And he goes to prison for like three years on a on a And just go, gets hard. And he, he gets <laughs> just, hard. He has to do what it takes to survive he and then kinda likes it. It's a little a, it's like breaking bad in two hours, basically. He grows a handlebar mustache. Yeah, it's phenomenal. He gets a lot of tattoos. Yep. He joins a white power gang inside the prison. Yeah. That's and a, then becomes a crime. This is his only move. Lord. Yeah. In two hours. <laughs> in two hours. It's great. Uh, Does he get redemption? In a manner of speaking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would encourage you to check it out, Chris. Yeah. Chris, I thought I'd made you see Shot Collar. Not yet. I, uh, I saw Riot and Cell Block. I didn't see Shot Collar yet. Good Time also... A, a, I don't know if I, I would ever watch Good, Good Time, Time again. Man. That's why you're still the one. Which one? <laughs> That's the fact that you love Good Time is just like why why you're still my guy. Thank you. <laughs> well, it was Bob Mays' number one movie. It was it really? Bobcat Mays. <laughs> wow, the Bengal. It's it's one of those movies you never see twice. I I couldn't believe how good Robert Pattinson was. Yeah. Had no idea the he had that. The second half of that movie is the my favorite section of you're talking about that John Wick, but pretty much oh, from yeah. when it starts to be like it starts to unravel after hours of yeah. him just being trying to, to figure this the situation out is so incredible. It's like, really good. Yeah, shout out to the Safdie brothers. I think those guys are going to make amazing movies. So should we talk about they're going to they're, they're supposed, doing Forty Eight Hours, yeah, we, which we just did on the rewatchables, yeah. and I I support it. I, you know my theory: if you're remaking something, it's got to it's got to have a new bent. It can't just be a remake. We'll so see what they do. I mean, these guys will make it gritty. Honorable mention for me: I thought I Tanya was really good. Complicated, I, I, complicated movie. Complicated movie. Allison Janney's great. Mm-hmm. Margot Robbie's great. I love the fact that they were able to CGI sports stuff now and make her do quadruple axles. It was. I'm glad we're using that technology <laughs> for sports. I think it opens up a lot of doors for us with hoops, where you could basically, you know, Teen Wolf's a different movie yeah. now. Do you they, think? Do you think of it as a sports movie, I Tanya? No, but I, I think it's it's basically where we are now with sports movies, where this is now a sports movie. I they thought don't make it was interesting that Allison Janney said when she won a Golden Globe, she was like, "We made a movie about disenfranchisement." Because what happens a lot when these movies go into the awards circuit, yeah, Sausage Maker, is your movie has to be something more than what it was. Or has to be something a little bit more altruistic or widescreen than what it was. And I liked the idea of like the Goodfellas of figure skating. That was like a good pitch yeah. for that movie. But now it's like about the the ninety nine percent. I think that's gonna break three billboards too. Is this I, three billboards is just like a very screwed up black comedy in a lot of ways. I mean, it's also about like vengeance and forgiveness and all these other things. But 
when that movie gets interrogated as like, what does this movie mean? It's not going to it's not going to stand up to it. Or if it does, it'll do so with a lot of uh, hurt feelings along the way. I don't think it should be nominated for an Oscar. I, I Tanya. No, for favorites? best film. Yeah. I Tanya. Yeah. I think Alison Janney is going to get nominated. And I think there's a chance Margot Robbie gets nominated. The actors, it took a story that I already knew and had heard a million times and had just been involved in a documentary about it four years ago and actually made it interesting. Yeah, That's a movie, though, that I think if it had more momentum could very easily fall to some of the backlash stuff we talked about. No question. There's a lot of information that is fuzzily arranged. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Very purposefully. Like, that's the story. Katie Baker wrote a really good piece yep. about the movie months ago. It's got a lot of issues in that front. But it's really complicated. Plus, there's just some tone stuff that, like, me personally, I don't mean to sound like, um, like I'm soft-hearted about this, but they make a choice to have a lot of visceral reflections of domestic violence. And yep. then right after that, they'll do, like, beat and then a joke. Yeah, and that is the movie that they made. They specifically that's tried Scorsese to do that too. That's like that's the way. Like if you if you try to ape the Goodfellas thing, it's like guy gets his head blown off, and then Paul Sorvino makes a joke about it. You know right. what I mean? And, then and he's it, making pasta in the next. Yeah, scene. exactly. Yeah. The post I thought I told this to you already, but I it's a B plus. It's fine. Yeah, I like it's it. It's good. It's I well like acted. It. Um, it's, there's there's some stuff. I think it's, it's got a weird finely polished first five minutes and last five minutes. I, it, that feels very Spielbergian, where it's like we got to tell the people about Vietnam, and then we got to tell make them sure they about understand Watergate. the weight of this. Yeah. Like, we don't need this. People are smart. Tell, yeah, tell the story. T- take us to the post right now. I thought that what 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 I took from it was Meryl Streep, and just I didn't know with Katie Graham. I didn't know that uh, she was kind of that irrelevant and. And that helped us when she was in charge of the paper and that it eventually, I had always known her as like Ben Power Bradley's house. boss and yeah. all the president's men. I always thought in my head, I always thought it was different. I didn't realize I, think, I learned stuff in it. I, I liked the post. Uh, I think that there's something about the Hank's performance that stops me from that's, that was my biggest issue. Is he does it. If he I gets like, nominated, I feel I'm like Meryl Streep is in that movie and yes. is like completely immersed in it. And Tom Hanks has got a wig on and is doing a Boston accent. He's yeah, got, he's got a tough job there because fantasy is more pro Hanks that movie well, than either of us. He's just got the ghost of Robards over his shoulder, and like that Robard. I know for all three of us, that Robards performance is a big deal. Like it's we the really best. love that Ben it's a Bradley, big, big deal. and that movie is so great and so iconic. And Kay Graham is not in all the presidents, right? Men. You know, she's just, a historical figure, but she's yeah. on the phone it. two or three times. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And and Ben Bradley is that movie at almost as much as Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. Sure. So I, I'm willing to give him a little bit of a break. Also, I love, love all the supporting people in it. Even if that movie doesn't always hold together, you've got the great Odenkirk stuff. You know, you've got the great Michael. Uh, Carrie Coon. Uh, yeah, uh, Matthew Reese stuff, Carrie Coon, Tracy Letts. You've Half got all the cast of Veeps and like yeah, Jesse Clemens. I kind of wanted guys. a little more from the Daniel Ellsberg performance. I think that there's a whole other Ellsberg movie that they could just yeah. make. I uh, the Nathan for you final I thought was awesome. I'm counting it as a <laughs> we're movie. just doing stuff we like. Fantastic. <laughs> it's a it's a movie. It was yeah. two hours. I Errol Morris's favorite movie of the year. I really enjoyed Happy Death Day. I think it's really hard to just make a really entertaining I, fun I horror that. movie. I thought that was really entertaining. I thought Stronger was the movie that got lost in the shuffle, and I'm not really sure why, whether it came out too early or people are just tired of the the actor who's going They've through really some sort of thing. When they make these, I just watched the trailer for uh, Trust, which is the Danny Boyle-directed show on FX. It's yeah. the same story as All the Money in the World, yeah. and it looks awesome. And even though nobody saw All the Money in the World, I'm almost just like, I don't know, even though, like just getting through this Getty, like, I'm going to definitely watch it, and it looks really much more up my alley than all the money in the world. But 
when they do these, like, here's a somewhat obscure story that we're going to tell twice in nine months. And it's, you know, the Boston bombing it's was the not Prefontaine co- yeah, par- yeah, paradox. Yeah, Prefontaine, they, they do two marathon stories. They're doing, they do two Getty stories. It's weird. Gyllenhaal's great in that movie. He won't get nominated, and it's a shame. I'm and I'm not you. just saying that because he was on the BS pod. I thought he was really good in that it's movie. It's a really good David And Tom Gordon Hanks is probably too. has a better chance of getting nominated than he does. And then uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I really like Battle of the Sexes, the more I've been thinking about it. And I don't think Emma Stone was cast correctly. It, it took... It was a much more interesting story than I was prepared for. I just thought it was going to be a story about the match, and I didn't realize it was about, you know, basically somebody coming out and hiding it from her husband and hiding it from the tour. And it, it went all these directions I, I didn't expect. And I thought it was the best sports movie of the year easily, which I don't know what the competition was, but um, it was very well done. And and the the biggest mistake it made was not really going into whether he threw the match or not, which some people are pretty adamant that he did. I have... I'm, I was more into it as like a love story than I was as a sports movie. I don't think it's a very successful sports movie because it's it, not, but it, there are no sports movies anymore. Yeah. I just, maybe I know that story too well. I think Don Van Natta did a great story about, about that match three, four years ago. And also I, and I thought Carell is great. I think Emma Stone's fine. And Andrew Riseborough is really good as the woman who she has an affair with. But, um, I, I there, there's something like not triumphant enough about it. Like I feel like if you're gonna make a movie like that, it's almost like oversell me on it, like trick, like make it miracle. I really like when a movie's like screw it, we're just sentimental. Yeah, I didn't know what it was, which is why I was frustrating. I, I just for me, it's sports movie of the year. I just wanted to mention the honorable mention. I didn't think it was a great movie. I wouldn't I wanted watch to, it again. I do want to ask you, hearing you talk about Battle of the Sexes and like the sort of wasted potential of that movie in some ways, I wanted to ask you guys what was the movie that you felt like had all the pieces and couldn't put it together. And that in if two or three things had gone differently, it would have just been because for me, that's Molly's game. Uh, it's a, yeah. a, about a topic that I'm deeply interested in, God. written by a guy who I generally and genuinely adore watching his stuff. Yeah. And if it had been directed by Danny Boyle or David Fincher, I think would have been a phenomenal movie. Yeah. I know that you have some casting issues with it, but is there another movie out there, if not that, that you were like, man... If they had just done two things differently or if this movie had come out a little later or a little earlier, just I would have just said this is the one of the best, two or three best movies of the year. Just for 2017? Yeah. I, I think it's the one you said. Yeah. I still enjoyed it. I can't believe the poker scenes weren't better and more captivating and interesting. It was like even my wife, who hates poker scenes and hates that I watch rounders too much, even she was annoyed by the poker yeah. scenes. And and uh and then Michael Sarah is just an abomination. I disagree I mean, with you about that. It's one of the worst performances of I, the year. I actually really like that. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> terrible. It's like career ending. He's just really bad. And that's a... If you're supposed to be Tobey Maguire, you've got to be cool. You've got to be... I've got to feel like you're a Hollywood star. I didn't feel like he was a Hollywood star. I don't know who the right person to cast would have been, but it was not Michael Sarah. I have a lot of complicated feelings. Costner, it's 25 minutes too long. There's a whole dad story that... It's just beating us over the... It's really, it's just the poker, I lost this business, and then I saved my life movie. I didn't even think I really needed the dad stuff. I, I felt like it was a very strange and telling choice that a movie that was meant to be about a woman becoming fiercely independent essentially hinges on a lot of men explaining things to her or for her. Like, yeah. I, I just... Between Idris Elba's character and Kevin Costner's character and Michael Sarah's character... 
And like we're meant to believe that Molly is this fierce, thoughtful winner, person who won't take no for an answer and will get whatever she wants. And it just kind of turns on a lot of big speeches by guys being like, but here's the thing about Molly. But the four or five yeah. times that that movie is clicking... Yeah, there's, You're like, there's yes. great stuff. Yeah. What? I, I, I'm still hey, listen, when are we all not in when it's the things are going great, but they're going a little too yeah. well? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's always been it's like, uh oh. Yeah, there's some Uh-oh. and there's some there's good, a knock like, at the door, don't answer it. Yeah, Jeremy Strong in that movie. Yeah, it's it's very it's really yeah, like Bill Camp and uh Chris O'Dowd. There's a, all the guys who are at the games, those guys are great, but it doesn't totally come together. The movie for me that is like this is a movie that I like. And it's hard to talk about and it's downsizing, which everybody has decided is a piece of garbage. And I find mm. that really interesting. Yeah, the the poor lady, the uh Hong Chao, yeah. yeah the at the Golden Globes got like tepid applause. Yeah. And I think that we can set aside the criticism of the movie altogether. I just want to say that it's cool when a big filmmaker like Alexander Payne gets a studio to give him seventy five million dollars to be like, I've got a big idea. Like that, that turns out great movies. Yeah. You know, the story of the Godfather is Francis Ford Coppola pleading and fighting and begging the studio and his producer, Robert Evans for more money, more time, bigger stars. I need Brando. Give me Brando. It has to be Brando. That is the story of great movies happening. And so the minute you're like downsizing is trash and it's racist and it wasn't funny enough. Studios hear that. And they're like, was pain. Like no more downsizing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who he really went to bat for. Um, but I, I just, I really don't want to lose the world where we don't get the original movies that are a little That's out the same there. thing with Blade Runner, which is like Blade Runner 2049, which is now sort of retroactively been dragged through the mud by Ridley Scott and a little bit and generally was not well received. It's still, to me, like if you're going to give Denny Villeneuve, I, I want to live in a world where Denis Villeneuve has that budget to make that kind of movie and has that kind of vision. And I just, I, I thought, I actually thought it was incredible. I think it's a really underrated movie. I wish they would do a director's cut the other way where it's like Blade Runner 2049, the one hour, 50 minute version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they got the way. professional editor in to fix, yeah, fix I it. Similarly, a couple others just to mention. I didn't love the Florida project. It just kind of bummed me out. I, I, congratulations how they made it. It's very well acted. The little girl's awesome. It's just, it's, a, it's, it's just one of those. One of those kind of sad glimpses at this, uh, you know, American underbelly. Basically, didn't mean I enjoyed it. I think I respected he, it. His mo- Sean Baker's movies, I think, hit people in two ways. They either are just absolutely destroyed by them and are feel compelled and connected to them, or they're like, this is either a little too bleak or a little too real or a little too um, specific for me to really latch onto. Um, it was he's, super he's, duper bleak. He's really talented, though. Like to get a performance like he got at a Brooklyn yeah. Prince who'd never acted before is totally worth seeing. High level stuff. It was worth seeing. I just I wouldn't quite Brando. put it on our you know that, right? What's that? He'd wanted Brando for that role. Yeah. Well, you can't get everything, you know. <laughs> uh, call me by your name. It's fine. I'm gonna move on. Noted, uh, noted Bill. <laughs> it's fine. It's great. Let's go on another bike ride. Um, <laughs> That was the hey, original title. Call me by your bike ride. Let's go. Hey, you want to get off and lie on the hill for a second? All right, let's get back on our bikes. Uh, the the fish fucking movie. Mm-hmm. The name of it is The Shape of Water. Yeah. Did you see it? It's fine. Um, Chris has a very strong take on that. Do you want to hear it? He's shared it on the watch. Okay, let's hear I, it. I won't be seeing any film about beasts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Um, I liked the big sick is good. I it's almost that one got forgotten in the awards. It, it got it lost in the shuffle. No They'll probably get screenplay, right? I don't know. I'm not sure. I I I compared it to like it's a, le- a much lesser James L. Brooks movie to me. They don't yeah, make a lot that's of the thing. Like it's it's another one. It's a B plus or a B. Yeah, it's, it's a nice movie and it made people happy and it did good business and it probably made Kumail a big star. So like that's that's cool. That that's that good. It's yeah. a win. Yeah. We won. We won with that movie. Yeah. And then uh, the beguiled was the other one that I thought was interesting. And nothing really happened. Great performances. That's good performances. I like yeah. I, the only reason I bring it up is I, you know how Chris and I feel about Colin Farrell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys love the movie Miami Vice. Which he's like basically going through drug rehab as he's filming yeah. it, even maybe in the scenes. And uh, his, it's his, that, blood, his blood alcohol level is rum and oxy the entire time. <laughs> and it's you like can liquid feel rum. it. Yeah. Especially in the Blu-ray, you feel it. <laughs> but, uh, but he's in that movie and then he's in, um, in uh, the Sick Killing and Deer movie. Deer. Yes. And he, it's a totally different performance. And we've had this kind of belated Colin Farrell is actually a really good actor moment. And he's kind of taken the Russell Crowe spot that yeah. I thought Russell Crowe oh, could have had for years. And then he just got too weird too fast. But it's like at American Gangster, it looked like Russell Crowe was just going to be yeah, like he's this, gonna be in for the guy who's going to show up and be solid. for Colin Farrell, market correction. Yeah. On oh, yeah. It, it. Belated. But yeah. like if they remade Proof of Life, which... Don't touch that. That's an American treasure. Safety brothers, get at us. <laughs> but if they ever did that, like Colin Farrell would be the proof of life guy, right? Do you right? think that if they remake proof of life, they need to have Caruso in it? Like, yes. can you, yeah, I really it's feel old, like I'm older, on the Bill Simmons podcast. Right <laughs> proof now. of life. We're proof remaking life proof too. of life. But what I like about Colin Farrell is he's David Caruso never makes eye contact with anybody in that movie when he's, he's acting with them. It's he comes so in amazing. the hottest. Nobody's ever been hotter in a movie. He's, it's a heat check. He gets off 25 threes in 10 minutes. He makes Dion Waiters look like Andre Roberson. It's great. When we do uh, the Kidnap Rewatchables week, yeah. that'll be a great one. But my point is, I like that somebody has filled the sad Russell Crowe void that I miss. I miss Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe Crow is an important good. actor. Russell Crowe is yeah. somewhere right now being like, mate, I did like four movies this year. <laughs> but like, it, it went off a cliff with the Leo movie in 2008, which Body is still lies? unbelievable. That movie didn't, yeah, it's, it's it didn't movie. make a lot of money. It's, it's disappointing. I don't watch it when it's on. And it's just like right there. Russell, it was over for Russell Crowe. The problem with Body of Lies and the prop, problem with what he was doing at that time period, I can't believe we're really going to spend. How like, many times do you think you started a sentence, the problem with Body of Lies? <laughs> Very rarely, because I only yeah, I don't good. find that many problems of it. Okay. So he plays basically his insider character as a CIA yeah. agent, but just not like a morally conscious person. It turned out he didn't have a lot of moves, Russell Crowe. I think that was part of the problem. (laughs) You couldn't put him in a rom-com. We we hold that against him. What do you think, what would have happened to Daniel Day-Lewis if he made three movies a year? Right. We don't don't know. You know what I mean? Like he made five movies in 10 years and he thinks he's a genius. Russell Crowe's out here making the donuts every morning and we're bored with him. That's that's, a fair point. That's how you get to be the greatest actor of your generation. Not making good choices. All right. Russell Crowe, could only be in certain types of movies. Like the proof of life part was like a classic Russell Crowe part. And I'm glad that Colin Farrell now is is back. Is like a guy who was most of his use was like, it's like a basketball player who was like all about speed. And once he lost a step, his game goes out the window. Crowe, once he lost the gladiator body, 
And the looks. Yeah, it kind of it, it's it's a t- it's a tough beat. It turns out you just shouldn't drink every day for excessively. I think it has some ramifications. Sort of an Allen Iverson figure. Yeah, yeah. go for it. Sorry. But it was. <laughs> I would say for Russell Crowe, if you're doing sports analogies, it's like T Mac. Oh, interesting. Like 2000 to 2005, you're buying all the T Mac stock, and yeah. this is it. Really He's going to be one of the his, guys. Uh, was his Yao Ming. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, for 2018, we're already off to a great start, man. Well, we had this January month of action movies. The full, the platter is here. It's it's great. I love January. It's always my favorite movie month. But I'd like to see, uh, is Leo have something this year or what? Oh, I don't think he has a project on the. I really worry that. about Leo that he won that Oscar and we're I never going to see him he again. He's supposed to be in the cartel, which we'll be shooting soon. The Ridley Scott adaption of. Don Winslow's novel. Your guy, Don Winslow. Yeah, I yeah. think he is. I am not positive. What about your guy, Damien Chazelle? He has a great, mo- a very exciting movie coming out called First Man, which is about uh, Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong, and stars Claire Foy, and who plays Neil Armstrong? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Oh, there you go. I, I'd like to see Cruz follow up on what we talked about with PTA. Or Cruz work with PTA. Cruz has but Cruz old guy moves. Six. Stop yeah. making young guy movies, Cruz. It's time. It's a tra- age. Age with your demo. You're 55. Didn't PTA say don't count out Cruz? He did. Yes, he yeah. Did. But he but, also, I think he, bu- I think he bought into our theory that he should do a Netflix show. The big thing we learned from PTA is that he's dying to work with Leo and he's dying to work with Cruz again, and he loves those guys, and that was it. Oh, Cruz is also doing Top Gun too, but I don't think that's coming out this year. I don't know if that's real. I don't know if I can support that. <laughs> I, I would have been more excited You've for cocktail too. You withdraw your support for Top Gun I might withdraw my support for Rick. <laughs> so would it just quickly and then we'll go, Oscar, what do you think wins Best Picture? Lady Bird. What do you think? I'm not ready to share that yet. I honestly don't know. I'll probably be writing about that a lot this month. Um, yeah, but it's going to, your final prediction will be different than how you feel right now. The, the story to today this. on this day when we're recording this podcast is that the new front runner is three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. That seems that'll get picked apart. Really strange. When to do me. people vote? That'll get the, picked apart. The, the voting is happening right now. It's okay. over the course of a, a week or so, and they're announced on the twenty third. Oh, I was going to mention this to you guys because I do think this has happened with NBA awards, and I think it's happening with the Oscars too. Is the the consensus people going on the internet and kind of finding out what to do? I think has become one of the weird things that's happened this decade because it's definitely changed NBA awards. You don't have NBA awards fuck ups anymore. It's like, as I sit here, there's with no two surprises. people who would like to revoke Russell Westbrook's yeah, MVP. But one established company that are fighting against each other in, in these scenarios. This year, if it's Lady Bird is one of the frontrunners, that's A24. It's a five-year-old company. They've had amazing success. They also produced Moonlight. The other company is Fox Searchlight. They produced both or distributed both The Shape of Water and Three Billboards. The Shape of Water strikes me as the kind of movie with enough energy around it and enough um, support in other categories, like costumes and visual effects and sound editing and all these other it's the kind of movie that could have 14 nominations and Mm. when movie when stuff like that happens that narrative really takes hold so you basically have fox searchlight which really knows how to campaign and knows how to get a lot of awards supporting two movies you've got a24 with with ladybird i don't know which movie fox searchlight throws more weight behind i don't know which movie is going to resonate more with the academy i don't know if the voting body has changed enough that a movie like ladybird makes way more sense or get out makes more sense or dunkirk who did get out get out is blumhouse and universal which is a really a classic movie studio so i think get out i think it 
it comes down to Get Out, Lady Bird, and then one of those two movies you mentioned. It's possible. Whichever one they I throw find it hard down. to believe that. And the post will that be here. Dunkirk from. and the post are done. The post isn't done. The post, I think Dunkirk's done. The post was not recognized at the BAFTAs, which shares a lot of voters with with the Academy. The BAFTAs are the British Awards, yeah. and it was I don't think it was not nominated for a single award, which is staggering given the cast and the people that are involved. I'll say right now, in my mind, The Shape of Water is the front runner. Wow, because there's a lot it, there's a lot of dots that connect. Guillermo del Toro winning at the Globes is the kind of thing that signals to people that this is a movie made by a master and the Academy likes to award masters. And he's also in this trio of Mexican filmmakers with Alfonso Coron and Inaritu and uh, Inaritu who have been rewarded quite a bit in the last couple of years. And this is that trifecta yeah. coming together Quaron makes a lot of won sense. Won the year that Twelve Years won. That's right. Well, this would be this could be fun if there's four or five with the. Uh, it's the if most there's unpredictable. Eight movies to vote for or whatever that could be fun. Yeah, it definitely makes for a more entertaining debate for the next six weeks because I think that the La La Land Moonlight thing felt like slamming your head against the wall after a while. Yeah. It was like at a certain point. You either prefer one movie to the other, and then there is the there is like the kind of weird sick sickly feeling of to like Moonlight, you need to denigrate La La Land or vice versa, and that's actually yeah. easier to it's easier to have a multiplicity of opinions if you're talking about three, four, five movies all competing. So I, I like it for sure. This is the number one year where I'd like to see the voting numbers. I'd like to know I, how well, many. We say votes. that every year though, yeah, because it's I think it has a chance to be razor thin margins. No chance of Phantom Thread creeping in. I hope so. I, I hope so. I mean, it's that's focus. Features I can't wait for the movie. ads. We're like two weeks away from the ads and all that stuff. Yeah. And Daniel Day-Lewis will be, be nominated for sure. The one thing we learn every year that Sal and I are actually going to remember this year to bet on is the front. There's maybe the six major categories. There's the front runner skew way, way overboard as favorites in the six categories. And like three of them don't win. And you just cherry pick whoever is underneath, because it never it never holds in January all the way through. Especially this year, it's March fourth this year. The Oscars, yeah, it's really late. Yeah, it is there's late. so much time to change minds and pick apart. And I think it's because of the Olympics. Yeah. So anyway, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy. This was fun. Thank you, Sean. Big Picture Podcast. Big Picture Podcast. Fridays on Channel Thirty Three. Chris, the Watch. Mondays and Give Thursdays. Your own feed. Yeah, we do have our own feed. Thanks. Yeah. All right. See you. That's it for the BS Podcast. Do not forget about the Ringer NFL show Sunday night. Lombardi and Tate, rapid reactions on GM Street. Tuesdays, the Ringer NFL show with Mays, Clark, and Kelly. Wednesdays, GM Street again. Thursdays, Clark, Mays, and Kelly. Deep dive onto the upcoming slate of games that continues on Friday with the GM Street Friday Focus with Tate and Lombardi. All the inside you need for gambling, fantasy, everything else. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Art19, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Same thing for Bachelor Party, our brand new podcast, still number one on iTunes, TV film. Juliet Littman, uh, I don't think she ran out of guests by having my wife, because my wife was a really good guest of the second episode. If you ever want to hear my wife talk about The Bachelor, there it is, Bachelor Party. Subscribe now, some good guests coming up. Check that out. On Friday, I have a whole bunch of stuff planned for the pod. Until then. Yeah.